In advance of the screening of His Girl Friday on Saturday in the IFI at 12pm and the following panel discussion after the chick flick Female Identities in Hollywood Film, I'm here with Professor Diane Negra and uh, we're just going to have a chat about the um, the upcoming event. So first of all, Diane, thank you very much for, for being here. My pleasure. Um, so the decision to choose His Girl Friday, which best described as a screwball comedy, what, what would you think that says about where we are in terms of chick flicks at the moment and what, yeah. what chick flicks are in relation to this, I suppose? It's obviously a long reach back historically, and we had a lot of discussions, some of the IFI staff and myself, about what would be a good film to kind of partner with the discussion that we're going to have. And we opted um, for His Girl Friday partly because... It's, it's an extraordinarily important film, and I think it, not only for various reasons in terms of the personal associated with it, the kind of generic qualities it has, but because um, it, it reflects an era in which arguably, and I think this is you know very much an arguable point, that chick flick was smarter than it is now. Mm. Um, it, and one of the things I mean by that is that there's a real sense in that film, which is a classic battle with sexist narrative in one way, yeah. um, is, is that romance has to be egalitarian. And I think that idea has largely faded away in the current cinema. So my sense is that, that it's interesting to go back and view a film from, you know, let's say the mid 20th century when it was fairly customary for films to think about romance in these ways. Yeah. And my argument would be that certainly, let's say since the 1990s, we haven't had egalitarian romances in abundance. We tend to have romances that are skewed in a certain way. We have a harder time culturally thinking of romance as a battle of equals or a coming together of equals or whatever you like. Mm. And where it ends now as well, you know, I suppose that, that there was always this direction towards marriage or, right. or couples that were separated that would come back together. Mm -hmm. And where we are now, marriage isn't very high on, on people's list. And, and you know, is, is that going to be reflected then in, in, in our idea of romantic movies and, yeah. you know, where things are headed, I suppose? Well, I suppose one of the things that's interesting about when you go back to, to these earlier sort of classic women's films, as they yeah. were then known, um, sometimes we're surprised by how relatively, you know, progressive they are. Yeah. Um, but you're right that certainly in the 1930s, there were these two famous cycles of screwball comedy, one were the comedies of, of, of uh, commitment, so-called, and mm -hmm. then the comedies of reaffirmation in which a, a, a separated, a wrongly separated yeah. couple <laughs> has to come back together and the machinations for them doing so are what make the, makes the film interesting. Um, yeah, it, it's certainly the case that, that marriage is no longer as much of a focus, yeah. but in the recent past, I would argue, see, see, for me, I think there's a really important pivot that happens if you want to historicize the chick flick. And for us in the, in the, in the contemporary period, that moment is the late 80s, and that's when you get some really big hits, you get the rise of female auteurs like, like, like Nora Ephron, yeah. and um, I think the success of films like When Harry Met Sally and Broadcast News, Pretty Woman, later Sleepless in Seattle, these films lock in place a formula that, that actually was, you know, some people would call it pretty dedicated to the matrimonial industrial yeah. complex. Um, even if we didn't see a, a wedding take place, we expected that one would. But of course, there are numerous bridal films that, yeah. particularly as we kind of, you know, progress from the 90s into the noughties, that becomes a pretty regulation element in, in the genre. Now, in whatever period we now find ourselves where the chick flick has lost some of its commercial viability, seemingly, mm -hmm. although I think there are some important exceptions. Um, and we can see that social norms are shifting as well in some interesting ways. So the, the purpose of the event that we're holding at the IFI on Saturday is to examine and think about not only the historical roots of the contemporary chick flick via His Girl Friday, but also to say, 
what is the post-epitaph chick flick, mm-hmm. right? Because we know that there's so often these kind of gleeful epitaphs that are written for the genre. Mm-hmm. And so we're asking, well, hang on a minute. There are still chick flicks being produced. What are their characteristics? What do they do? What kinds of pleasures do audiences get from them? Um, and, and But it's clear, I think, that we're in a post-peak moment, yeah. that the genre was, mm-hmm. was definitely more successful let's say a decade ago and it's trying to re-identify itself and, and repackage itself in a way and yeah. you know and uh, that this idea of uh, millennials i suppose always comes into it as is, is an, an ironic enjoyment of yeah. of media rather than engaging in it emotionally as, as would have been expected like i mean when you move through things like melodrama and and uh, chick flicks they always had a slightly melodramatic edge to them and um lessons being taught and mm. you know that doesn't seem to be the the focus anymore as much I mean overtly but uh, you know there's always this kind of undercurrent I mean you still mm-hmm. see in in more recent films that the women are taught a lesson in a way and and either that's to do with work or it's to do with motherhood or it's to do with their ability to love or ability to have a loving relationship with with somebody and there's yeah. still that definite it still does reduce down to that, that definition for me anyway I don't know if, if, if that's no I think what you're describing is very recognizable yeah. and and I think it is hard because we are in a sort of blurred moment where mm. you know the chick flick is certainly pronounced dead on a regular basis and yet there are chick flicks out there and I think you're right that this this is one of the things that's playing out is, is a, a, an uncertainty mm-hmm. um, about partly what what exactly what you said there how, how does this genre speak to younger audiences mm-hmm. in an era of um, you know, digital romance, and that's probably mm. dignifying in a certain yeah. way. <laughs> but you know, um, and 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 certainly, you know, twenty years of 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 uh, a pornified culture in which pornography has been largely destigmatized. Yeah. Um, all of the sort of older courtship rituals that that let's say yeah. drove the genre um, are are largely in decline. So mm. how does this? This, this kind of, of, of story type speak to a new audience? I, I, you know, if I had an answer to that question, yeah. I'd probably um, Have be doing money. rather well. <laughs> but, but, but I do think this period of uncertainty is interesting in its own right. It and is, yeah. as you say, there's a, a kind of weird shift in tone. And as you say, a loss of sincerity on the one hand, a mm-hmm. rise in cynicism. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, a big hit that, that we've seen this year is Trainwreck. Mm-hmm. And Trainwreck really personifies this because let's say for 80% of the film, it has this acerbic tone, and mm. its protagonist, played by Amy Schumer, of course, is um, it is a model of cynicism and pessimism, and mm-hmm. the joke of the film is that she is playing by the rules of a single man in an urban environment, right? And, and the flip side of that is that we get the basketball star LeBron James playing yeah. the role of the sort of, yeah. um, you know, the, the friend who's concerned about the emotional um, stakes in this romance for his male friend. So there's, there, and, and that's, I think, very successful. Yeah. But then the film inevitably has to achieve what I think is a very unpersuasive shift at the end, mm-hmm. where just as you say, the protagonist, female protagonist has to learn something. Yeah. And of course she has to learn to be more conventionally feminine, mm-hmm. and she has to be more conventionally... Emotionally um, available. Yeah, and, that's know, a big part of it, for yeah. sure. And she has to disaffiliate. I mean, one of the things interesting about, about that film, I think, is that she's presented as damaged by her father. Yeah. And that that affiliation with, 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 a, with a male character who's, who's, who the film sees as too influential upon yeah. her, has damaged her and she has to recover mm-hmm. some more recognizable femininity yeah yeah and it, it actually when I when I was watching it and I, I, I thought it was it was quite good and it was uh, you know well written but it did remind me for some reason of uh, you know in Working Girl Harrison Ford's character when he first sees Melanie Griffith's character and he says you know you look like a woman who dre- you look like a woman not uh, you're not dressed as a 
man would dress if he was a woman. Mm. You're dressed as a woman. Mm. And for me, that was sort of how train wreck wrapped itself up, is that, you know, throughout it, she was supposed to be behaving like a man, but eventually she learned how to put herself in this, you know, cloak of, of womanhood and, yes. and look like a woman and seem like a woman in her intimacy issues. And um, so, slight, you know, slight cop-out, I suppose, but the happy ending is... is where it's at with chick flicks really you know it's uh, hard to, to think of many chick flicks that don't uh you know pay off in that way yeah. although um that's a bit of a spoiler but his girl <laughs> friday probably doesn't um but you know i mean we're i feel like we're always looking for for chick flicks that are um more textured and their emotional yeah. kind of you know affective um character and and films that give us you know really meaningful in some ways true to life experiences mm-hmm. of intimacy mm-hmm. and the chick flick hasn't done that terribly mm-hmm. well but, and this is the reason I think why it, it deserves our attention, mm. uh, you know, it, it is still our premier genre of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And it has for 25 years, if you accept my argument that it's in the late 80s that it really finds its modern form, mm-hmm. um, you know, that for 25 years it has been uh, a very significant kind of both reflection and source of how we imagine men and women, and it still is almost always men and women rather mm-hmm. than men and men, women and women, um, you know, find each other and, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and achieve um, workable, you know, uh, intimacies. Yeah. So despite the many disappointments that the genre gives us, I think we, there's a lot um, of, of work to do around it and it deserves mm-hmm. our thoughtfulness rather than just, as the term itself implies, a kind of standard pejorative dismissal. Yeah. And that, I think, is one of the, the, the functions of the event on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it, the, the term seems pejorative. Like, I mean, when you hear it, you immediately think a certain type of movie that has a certain class le- a level of entertainment that is probably on the lower end of the art scale when, you, when you're considering them. But I mean, it is, like you say, it is still where we see gender roles being played out and we see, you know, what, what are we being told? And, and by repetition, what are we being told? In every film, are we being constantly told that the fulfillment for a woman is, you know, this romantic life or, right. you know, reconnecting with this, um, and, and as you have said before, a retreatist fantasy yeah. where you're heading away from all these troubles of the world. And during a recessionary time, that sort of becomes more important because women... We're, we're the first to be hit in, in everything. Mm-hmm. You know, women and children are the first to be hit in cuts and in employment and, you know, we're predominantly part-time workers, things like that. So it's important to see how we're being represented in these types of films as consumers and also as, as you know, just as, as, as a part of the whole mechanism. Yeah. You know? No, I couldn't agree more. And I, I do think that, you know, the, the, the seriousness of the chick flick really lies in, in the way in which it does influence cultural norms. Mm. And you're right that, that the chick flick had this long-established... Uh, by that I mean sort of since since the late 80s, um, tendency to to commit to what I call the retreatist plot, in yeah. which a woman unlearns feminism, right? She's typically a sort of, you know, a go-getting, uh, young, urban professional, and, and by the end of the film, in some way, she has realized that what she thought she wanted was wrong. Mm. And, um, you know, you've got male, such a perfect example. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. You know, it really typifies the genre on so many levels. Um, and, and so, you know, the, in that case where um, Meg Ryan's protagonist, Kathleen Kelly, is actually put out of business by the man she falls in love with, we have this incredibly stark illustration of of kind of the new voraciousness of capitalism. And I saw a film this week that interested me very much um, called The Mermaid, which is doing extremely well in China. You could see it here um, in in, in Cine World, just up the the street. And uh, it, it is a rendition of You've Got Mail in the nice. sense that, that like that film it requires its female protagonist to 
help make capitalism a little bit better yeah. symbolically, right? Because the, the mermaid kind of love interest, yeah. um, you know, is, is um, sort of an eco-warrior, <laughs> if you like. And so the marriage that, that, that concludes, or the romance that concludes the film, um, and just as in You've Got Mail about 17 years ago, includes the recalibrating, the slight recalibrating of some of the, the kind of the toughest, toughest aspects of, of capitalism. Mm. So I think when we look at couples in chick flicks over and over and over again, they're not just two people coming together. There are there are social problems mm -hmm. that, that are, are symbolized by by the coming together of these two people, mm -hmm. and you can play that out with greater and lesser degrees of subtlety and delicacy. The Mermaid is not a particularly subtle film, mm -hmm. um, but you it's very <laughs> fair point. But but, um, but it speaks of yeah. issues that I think preoccupy many people in China and and beyond China too mm -hmm. um, about the environment, about the the effect that that a kind of unfettered capital capitalism has on the environment, etc. So, so again, we see that the chick flick is not telling these kind of isolated tales of, of people who, who um, you know, meet and, and, and form some sort of, of, of relationship that normally has to be considered permanent. There are also films that are sort of testing other um, social, other kinds of ideological um, precepts at the same time. Yeah, which I think, you know, you can even see echoed in, in the advertising at the moment, things like that. Corporations, large corporations are really anxious to appear small, pastoral, you know, they're your corner shop now. It's your corn, your bank on the corner, rather yeah, than this huge conglomeration, yeah. because the tide has turned against that. That you know, against this ultra capitalist way that we were living. Yeah. You know, or has it? I mean, you know, there's, <laughs> there's so much in that. Or at least there's an awareness that there yeah. might be some public, you know, yeah. disquiet about exactly, yeah. you know the rise of corporate power. And um, but I do think that the romance has pretty consistently tested capitalism in various mm -hmm. ways. Now, it, it the tests that it has carried out are usually kind of set aside to achieve a kind of you know a typical and and um, expected closure. Yeah. But nevertheless, I, and you know, there are different critics um, who've written really well about this and argue that that the chick flick, you know, one of its it's, um, you know, worrying qualities is its tendency to produce these hollow endings that really just mm. don't fool anybody. Mm. And that might be a useful response to the chick flick is, is that, you know, it, it, it doesn't, um, it, it's obliged to go through certain rote narrative maneuvers, but it knows that at some level they're unconvincing. Mm -hmm. So in a way, unlike perhaps other genres of film, like the closure that's achieved is, is cosmetic. And it may be that a certain... Um, perhaps even rather high percentage of the audience knows that, mm. expects that, and yet the the richer stuff comes much earlier in the film. Mm. I, I, I mean, I, it wasn't fantastic, but they came together. I don't know if you see yeah. that, you know, with the, that was sort of a, it was a complete riff on the entire thing. But it's such an easy thing to do because the, the tropes are there and everybody yeah. knows the stereotypes are there. Now, it wasn't fantastic uh, it, overall, the movie, but it did give you the sort of step by step. You know, they, they meet each other, they hate each other straight away and then they break yeah. apart and then they come back together. So that, that was a good kind of riff on it. But for me, I feel like a lot of the movies lately have been trying to focus more on female to female relationships and that that is the, the new way that we're trying to read our, our um, chick flicks in, in, definitely. in a way. Definitely. I think, I think that is definitely a trend that we've seen over the past three, four, five years where, um, and, and there's a film in, in, in theaters now, um, How to Be Single, that mm -hmm. I think really typifies this, where, and well, there's, there's another interesting thing about How to Be Single, which is, which is not a good film, and you know, <laughs> sort of say it outright, but, but, um, but it, it comes from this interesting little mini tradition that really um, is associated with, with the director Gary Marshall, where he makes these, what I call, compendium romances, Valentine's Day, 
Day, um, New Year's Eve, you know. And these films don't have the confidence to commit to a protagonist couple. So they hedge their bets and they give us lots of lots of characters. And on a smaller scale, that's what How to Be Single does. Yeah. And then at the same time, just as you say, it, it closes on this kind of note of, of celebration of the beauty and the value and the necessity of female friendship as adorable, you know, mm-hmm. kind of um, element, or, you know, kind of social um, experience when the romantic kind of environment is, is destabilized and uncertain. So I think that's completely true. And I think um, there's an interesting span of these films, and, and some of them are quite... Um, uh, quite, you know, they're, they're, they're subversive. They're mm-hmm. really rich and interesting texts. And um, so, yeah, I think that's probably emerged in the last five years as one of the most important new aspects. And I, when I say that these films are committed to female friendship, I don't necessarily mean, mean in the older way, that let's say Steel Magnolias or, you know, some of yeah. the films of the 90s tended to have a highly, a pretty saccharine, mm-hmm. you know, kind of rendition of female friendship. These films are a little more tough-minded, mm-hmm. um, perhaps, but they, they, they really value the notion of, of um, an intimacy in women's lives, which isn't necessarily exclusively um, about heterosexual romance. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I could talk about this forever, but I think we should probably call it quits there. Um, really looking forward to the event on Saturday, and Thank there are you. tickets still available, so hopefully people will come out and, I hope they uh, will. for an interesting discussion. And a good and film, too. Exactly. Thank <laughs> you very much. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks.